Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fearscape Media Network. Exploring the unknown. One podcast at a time. Hey there, Blanket Huggers. Stefan here from Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Got some good news for you. If you want to join in on the investigation of the mystery of the recent emails from the man claiming to be Terry Rist to Josh and myself, a.k.a. the Spooky Crew, uh, and his advice on where to look for more high strangeness, uh, or if you simply want to become a patron blanket hugger for some cool swag and behind-the-scenes goodness... Go ahead and join our Patreon at fearscapepodcast.com slash support or patreon.com slash fearscapepod. There you can get Risk Watch access to the Terry emails themselves, the WhatsApp conversation about it all with Josh, Stefan, Santosh, and Olaf Phillips, and even any clues that are new that we have found in other Fearscape-related bonus content. You can even help out and add anything that you have found to help us dive deeper into the mystery. And remember, you can also just be a normal blanket hugger, as there are a few non-wristwatch tiers for patrons not interested in Terry Wrist and that journey. You'll still have access to bonus interviews, articles, and live Patreon-only Q&As, as well as early access and discounted tickets to events put on by Fearscape, such as psychic events, tarot readings, etc. Or you can simply support however you feel comfortable with tiers as low as $1. So join today. Thank you for tuning in to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. We are on a journey to understand and to discover the phenomena that seems to exist all around the globe. We invite you to join us on this journey into the unknown. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another out of this world episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast here on the Fearscape Media Network. I am your host, Stefan Gearhart, and I am joined, as always, by the metaphysically arranged co-host of mine, or is it deranged, Josh Rutledge. You know, I am like a metaphysical puzzle in that all of my pieces are here, but not here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> dude you got i just felt barkley from star trek get nervous <laughs> like he just got real nervous like <laughs> like oh what what about my adams being split part what, what, what? <laughs> uh yeah so yeah but other than that man i'm doing fantastic how are you doing man i'm doing really well uh as well 
Um, I'm, I'm just pumped, dude. We we got to pre-record this interview uh, with our guest tonight, and I am just still uh, on a high. Yep. Uh, I'm on yeah. an absolute high tonight, dude, because uh, we have uh, one of the uh, investigators from the newest Discovery Plus uh, documentary getting ready to come out, part of the Shock Docs franchise. Uh, the newest episode here the, is Alien Invasion, Hudson Valley, starring, of course, who we love, Ben Hansen. Uh, but one of the other investigators on this show that we've got on the show tonight is uh, another favorite of ours, Mark D'Antonio. Uh, he is uh, he's actually a chief photo researcher for MUFON um already outside of all the million other yeah. things you know astronomer An astronomer um, yeah you know, lover <laughs> all the things <laughs> he's just a fantastic guy yeah. and we were so absolutely just humbled uh that discovery plus contacted us to have him on our show um because we love this man and yep. now i love him even more um but yeah he him uh, melissa and ben got to go down to the hudson valley to go through of course you know the hudson valley ufo um sightings pine bush that whole area yep. the ufo capital of the world i mean they did some deep investigations and i will tell you what folks i cannot wait to check out uh this documentary it's two hours and it's going to be on discovery plus august 15th it's going to be bomb Yiggity. So, but yeah, make sure, make sure you stick around and listen to this interview because we had us as we usually do a fantastic conversation. Uh, We never, we are never afraid to ask crazy questions. So uh, I was excited to see him as usual as well, kind of fall along the same lines. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, a lot of times it was, uh, oh yeah, I've had that some more thought or, oh yeah, we did some more investigation. So it's nice to know that we're not off in left field somewhere. So. Right. He's just got more stuff he can use than we do. So I'm like, right, Ooh. exactly. You know, <laughs> if we had the budget, you know, so. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So um, uh, I do want to move on so we can hurry up and get to uh, Mark here. Uh, But I would do uh, move on uh, and and quickly just remind everyone, hey, make sure you share, rate and review the podcast. Uh, You can always find that podcast at fearscapepodcast.com or, uh, you know, uh, any of the the other. uh, What did somebody call it the other day? Podcast grabbers. Uh, I heard that today. (laughs) Any other place you might catch a podcast. We're on there. Just type in fearscape you'll find us um also uh just a reminder too to join our patreon you can find um you know some uh, links and episodes and things like that there as well patreon.com slash fearscape pod or fearscape podcast.com slash support there and check out we've got our first q a getting ready to come up uh here in about a week um live q a we're going to be talking about uh, all sorts all of really stuff. neat yeah. stuff so make sure you how join we got, our Patreon. You know, how we got started and how we became friends and, Kinds you know, of. how Stefan saved his favorite hat. Yes, all the fun stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and, you know, and all that all that support goes right back into making this show even better. Um, yep. So and big thank you to the patrons that we already have. We are so thankful all the time for you all. Um, so but I do want to get to our first segment of the week, which, of course, is Psychic Word of the week and now the psychic word of the week psychic word of the week as usual comes from the encyclopedic psychic dictionary from june g blitzer phd rest in peace honey bear i love you i never got to know you but i swear 
I think she's here. You know, Santosh that one time, or was it yeah. Santosh or was it um, no, Jim it was Schmidt? It, I thought no, Jim it was, Schmidt. It was Vashti. Oh, it was Vashti. Oh my God. Yes. Ja- Vashti, our favorite medium. She's the real medium. Uh, thinks that she was standing indeed uh, behind me. So um, yeah. I am definitely keeping her name alive. That is uh absolutely the case um so but as usual we flip through and i landed on page 465 and um the the phrase that grabbed so many i mean let me tell you i landed on a page where i want to read all of these because the first word is phantom or phantasm so i'm like i want all of those things um but i did land my eyes caught first phantasms of the living phantasms of the living i would watch that movie i'm telling you yeah, i mean if, if, right if, now if somebody doesn't have that as a podcast name there you go do not steal our idea come to us we we'll sell it to you for a dollar fifty with royalties um anyways uh phantasms of the living uh the apparition of a person going through a highly emotional state or a traumatic experience which makes it possible for the soul mind which has come up quite a bit oh yeah the soul mind to split and get a message through to a loved one who is not in that area for example a person seen the same time he is in an accident. Oh. oh. Okay, that is definitely a a classic thing that people Oh, wow, I didn't know it had a name that where they will they'll see, oh, well how I I was just talking to him. How yeah. Was he in this accident? And so, yeah, so the soul mind is splitting. It's almost as if they're quickly going, uh-oh, I'm going to be going to the light. I need to go say goodbye. So uh, when I was younger, I had a, I was staying at my grandparents' house, um, and my, my dad was uh, deployed uh, somewhere overseas. You know, he was uh, Air Force, and um, it was one of the times that I don't remember if it was I don't think it was during the Gulf War or Operation Iraqi Freedom or any of that kind of stuff I can't honestly can't pin down the exact time but anyways I was asleep in my grandparents bed uh, and my grandmother tells me you know late years later like all of a sudden you jumped up in bed and were just really worried about your dad and uh, we later found out that at that moment he was in some shit and wherever Ooh. he was so yeah i mean i don't know if that's if that's related i mean i guess these things could come to you in your dreams maybe yeah i i i feel like um yeah i definitely feel like you know someone you know has to die and it, it you know uh, or i don't I don't think it's death i think it's near it's it's like you're having it says they're having a traumatic experience and this and the soul mind can break free and go visit someone to warn them that it's happening oh okay yeah you're right i i just because i've always heard stories of someone dying blah blah my brain went there but yeah you're absolutely right yeah so yeah even just a traumatic experience you know it's almost as if you can send your um your visage to someone to say hey i'm lost i'm hurt it's 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 a witch accidentally it's a witch male Mark Durgent, right? So <laughs> right. Do, 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 um, but yeah, thank you, Junji Bletzer. Um, Phantasms of the Living. Um, just like I said, anything phantasma, phantasms. I love. I love the old terminology so much. 
Um, but let's go ahead and move on to, uh, I've got a little bit of some interesting, fun, spooky news to kind of lighten the the mood a little bit, you know, from last, <laughs> from last week's spooky yeah, news. Yeah, really. Uh, and I'm sorry I'm doing spooky news so much, but I just am finding some interesting articles, man. Um, so, but anyways, yeah, spooky news. Uh, so for this week's spooky news, uh, this is something that we actually talk about quite a bit. And this actually comes from a, um, a Christian uh, news website uh, called Alatea.org. Uh, and uh, the article uh, headline reads, Catholic scientists explore extraterrestrial life at conference. And that grabbed my eyeballs like nobody's business <laughs> so uh it says the discovery of sentient life beyond earth would beg the question of how it relates to god so this is something we talk about all yep. the time they uh, have so, a plan right so right <laughs> so the article reads uh as commercial space tourism is taking off the notion of life beyond earth is becoming increasingly relevant the possibility of discovering extraterrestrial life was a topic of conversation at the annual conference of the society of catholic scientists N not to be confused with christian scientists <laughs> that's a different denomination uh there experts suggested that such a discovery might not change our perception as much as one might think. This is uncharted territory, to say the least, for scientists and theologians alike. Humanity's quest for mainstream space travel is a distinctly 21st century endeavor. As such, the church has yet to fasten down any teachings on the topic, though we do know that there are plans in place with the Catholic Church, uh, right, to, to yeah. uh, how to handle it when it does happen. Right. Um, well, theologian Christopher Baglow, director of science and religion initiative at the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame, whoo, that's a lot, uh, commented, said, basically, we have a situation where the church has not taught anything definitively about that. So we have no doctrine to rely on, he said. So how do we proceed in thinking about this? Uh, and so he then says, faithful speculation. So uh, according to Baglow, uh, he went on to note that the conversation, of course, is faithful speculation until such teachings come. Still, the scientific community can help advance the subject by conceiving of the right questions. For example, discovery of extraterrestrial life would raise the question of what God's relationship is to that life form. Baglow reasoned that if a species were to reach a stage of rational thought, it would have a long history as humans do. He posited that in order to unite them to himself, God would have made his presence known to them as well, which that gets into a lot of the old contactee um, experiences right. like injured cold and, and right. uh, valiant thorn, things like that, that already said, hey, your God is the same as ours. Uh, this too would be similar to God's interactions with humanity. This theory further suggests that a relationship with God could be where humans and aliens find common ground. Uh, Baglow was confident that humanity's relationship with God could be used as a model for comparison with extraterrestrial life. Uh, he told CNS, he said, thinking about what God has done for humanity is for me at the heart of what it means to be a theologian. So to apply that to a new question like this would be spiritually rewarding. And I think our friend, uh, the theologian, kind of uh, suggests the same thing as well. 
Um, Karen Oberg, professor of astronomy at Harvard University, admitted that the discovery would create theological questions about salvation and incarnation. Still, she suggested that the discovery of life, especially intelligent life, would indicate that they are very specifically created by God. The consensus at the conference was that there is a possibility of life in the stars. And furthermore, such a discovery would not be a hindrance to faith, but affirmation that will promote understanding and appreciation of God's creation. I mean, honestly, I would be um, open to, I mean, I, I am, of course, we've talked about before, you know, I, I'm, I don't believe with what a lot of people in the Catholic or Christianity faith believe, but I think it would go a long way towards acceptance of uh, UFOs and the possibilities of what UFOs could, could mean if a lot of these uh, denominations or faiths were to take a more proactive we're going to put out a statement that acknowledges UFOs are real and acknowledges the possibility of extraterrestrial or other life. I think other people that currently push against it because it goes against what their religion teaches might be more willing to come in line with the acceptance of it. Right. And and I think that all the all the um, religious conspiracy theorists, I think, will end up being right. And their doctrine will be what is carried on to say that that angels may not actually be, you know, the angels and how we look at that, but possibly another species that was created before us. Right. That they are the angels of the Bible. But we used terminology that we know right. and created and, and the, the like or things like the Nephilim or the giants yeah. of the Bible or these other things or the the way the the. Uh, and Elijah or whatever it was, Ezekiel, where he saw, you know, the angel, but looked more like a UFO and things like that. I think that the church will come and say, hey, look, no, this was always in the Bible. It, it's right here. Look, yeah. this is what Daniel saw. <laughs> you know, I think they're right. going to say this is what they were taught. All the things that the re religious UFO conspiracy theorists have always said that the church looks at us like we're loony about. I think they're going to be like, yeah, look, it's all right there. It's always been in the Bible. But I mean, imagine if that was the official stance, how much that would help to break the taboo oh, yeah. around all this stuff. Good so. gods, yes. Good gods, yes. Um, but yeah, so that's my spooky news for the week. I thought it was very interesting, uh, you know, and we talk about this a little bit with Mark in this interview about how the world is becoming a little more um, uh, accepting of things. So I, I think it's quite fascinating. Uh, to see that a uh, group of Catholic scientists are getting together uh, and then the official churches to follow. So we'll see from there. But yeah, that's a, that is our spooky news. So let us get to our last segment uh, before we talk to Mark D'Antonio. And that is, of course, and this is very apt, is <laughs> the UAP UFO sighting of the week. UFO UAP sighting of the week. Uh, Josh, what do we got? Where are we getting it from? And uh, what's it look like? Yeah, so this is actually coming from MUFON this week. Um, it happened on May 25th of this year at approximately 11, 1123 p.m. in uh, Southbury, Connecticut. Huh? Not too far, really, from the Hudson Valley that we'll be talking yep. about. I did not see it as anomaly in person. I was inside my home when our ring system sounded. 
A few minutes later, I decided to look at the history on our ring to see what it had detected, which you can see in the video I am attaching. It appears to be the lights in a circular or oval shape and looks transparent. The top row of lights are white. The lower rows are blush with one or two white lights in the lowest row. It looks almost like a projection. You can also see a reflection on the paved driveway below the image. The object was moving quickly and headed directly toward our garage, then appears to twist and rise when it gets to the garage, as if it's going to go over it. Other than crickets, I hear no other sound. It is not definitive to me whether it came through the wooded buffer between us and our neighbor or down our driveway. It does look more like it came from a wooded area, approximately 20 to 25 feet um, of mature trees. The following morning, I looked around the yard and found nothing odd. So, and, and we have, you know, you and I have reviewed the video that is the, is attached to the sighting, and it is pretty shocking of what it looks like. I mean, you know, we, we had talked about people, some people had posted it on uh, social media a couple weeks back. I think even our friend Ryan Sprague had had it on his Somewhere in the Skies podcast page. Um, but, you know, the people who want to say, oh, it's, it's light reflecting off of a spider web or uh, it's a moth or it's a car driving down the road and it's the lights that you see. Um, I think it just really speaks to our willingness or want to explain things in a rational way rather than to postulate the possibility of the unknown. For sure. My, you know, I, you know, obviously if you've listened to the show before, you know, I have issues with armchair skeptics, right? You know, these are the people that just go, could be a light off of a spider web therefore it is not alien it is not ufo it is not this it is not that because i was able to say it could be one other thing well why could it not also be you know that's like me going uh well it, it very much could be a miniaturized ufo so therefore it's not anything else yeah i mean honestly what it kind of reminds me of is one of the kind of little support craft that kind of comes zooming around uh, the mountain in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. You know, because it's like lights a, on all here. the different lights and it's this very kind of a swoopy motion. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's one of, you know, honestly what it looks like. And so before anybody says, you know, well, maybe they took that and overlaid it over the ring video. I mean, it's, it's very possible. But I mean, if somebody did that, they did a really good job at it to get the reflection to show up on the driveway and other things so right and who puts their ring video behind their glass door yeah yeah like nobody I mean, does that like i mean i so what this is is and i've got one of these outside of my garage is it's a motion security light and it's mm-hmm. also got a camera on it and um, so if you set off the motion light it you know flips up the the full floods and everything to illuminate the area and i i have the similar one and i've gone out and looked at my video before and i've picked up some odd things i don't nothing to write home about but um so i mean it's nobody puts it behind glass it's it's not set up in a way to really go behind glass um and yeah i mean i just if you're able to to find the video on social media like i said it's 
a few have posted. Yeah, I'd actually seen it a number of times when you brought it to me. I'd seen it before on a number of UFO groups and things like that. And, you know, most of the skeptics that were on there, it was dumb stuff. Like I just said, there was one guy that debunked it. Uh, don't remember anything about it because my brain is dumb um, that I that I did think was plausible, but not enough for me to change my opinion on it. But it does, of course, make me think, which is what it's all about. And I wish that I had more uh, technology or I could be out there to really test it and do some things yeah. that I don't have because I do want to know because it's fascinating, whatever it is. To me, it's like if it was a reflection, it's almost as if somebody had a broom and they were facing the square end of the broom and put like string, not string lights, yeah. but those fiber optic lights fiber on the optics, end of it and then yeah. ran down a hallway and kind of moved around. But yeah, I don't know. Whatever, what it, regardless what it is, yeah. it is an unidentified aerial phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> regardless, even if it's just a light in the sky, as Chris Alexander would say. So very, very interesting. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that, Josh. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, we may end up trying to find a uh, public version of it and put that up um, for you guys to check out. So. Uh, yep. but anywho, uh, Josh, I'm ready to move on. You ready to move on? And, and I folks? am absolutely ready to move on. All right. So, you guys, please stick around. Uh, as soon as we get back, we are going to be talking to Mark D'Antonio. Uh, like we said, one of the investigators on the new Discovery Plus show, Alien Invasion, Hudson Valley. Uh, not a show, but a two-hour documentary. Uh, stick around. The SCP multiverse is under constant assault, and destruction can come at any moment. Therefore, having just one database is a folly the Foundation can no longer accept. Join Dr. Kevin Milgram and SCP-073, Kane, as they create an oral history of the SCP Foundation in Memories of Kane, an SCP story, hosted by Daniel Doremus. For should the Foundation fall, the unkillable first murderer of man will live on. New episodes drop every second Wednesday of the month on the Fearscape Media Network. Visit fearscapemedia.com for more information. And thank you guys so much for sticking around. We always appreciate that. And like we said, we are getting spooky with Mark D'Antonio, one of the lead investigators on the newest Discovery Plus show, Alien Invasion, Hudson Valley, as well as Cheap Photo Researcher for MUFON. We are super pumped to have you here, Mark. Thank you so much for coming on Fearscape, man. Hey, uh, thank you, Stefan and Josh. It's really good to be here. And uh, I look forward to hearing what you have to say. <laughs> I, 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 we're excited to hear what you got to say. We we just love we love MUFON. I mean, we're both members of MUFON. Have been. We've had a number of MUFON folks. Kathleen Martin was just here a couple weeks no, ago, Kathy, and well. yeah, person. and you know we so we love our MUFON folks, and uh, we are just super pumped to uh, to have you here. As well as we love our Discovery Plus dogs. We are huge Discovery Plus <laughs> junkies. Man. Yeah. Everything that comes, everything that comes out, I, I like I binge it in the first night or first couple of yeah. nights. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one coming out as well. Yeah, well, I, I got to see it ahead of time, and uh, I have to admit, you know, uh, and you have a little you know, difficulty watching yourself on the show and stuff. I do, right? So I watch it kind of like with one eye and just think, am I doing anything stupid? <laughs> <laughs> Did I do something crazy? 
And, I'm uh, egotistical, so I don't have that problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do anything stupid, Stefan. You know? <laughs> well, uh, and, I, and so I, I watched it, and I found that I was watching it with two eyes by the end. It was actually uh, much better. Uh, the, the editing was very well done. I was actually very pumped by it. I actually thought it was a well done job. You know, and I, I've been in a lot of shows, but I, I, I know that, you know, sometimes they go your way and sometimes, sometimes they don't, you know, and yeah. this one was very, very well done. Well, you can't go wrong with Ben Hansen. I mean, that guy is like the young Wilford Brimley, in my opinion. Like, you just want to <laughs> listen to him for hours. But if he tells you something, you're also like, ah, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, Ben and I have been good friends for many years. And so um, <laughs> both of us were surprised to find that they independently uh, asked us both to work on the show together awesome. without even knowing that we know each other. So we, you know, we get to hear that. I hear that. Wait, you said Ben Hansen's in the show, too? Oh, <laughs> I got a phone call. Ben. Hey, Ben. Are we doing this show together? We are. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, but how much? But, but how much do y'all actually interact? I'm, I'm always curious about that. How much do you all actually interact in the show? I mean, uh, is it? You know, they were the whole time. And okay. You there? And then you know how? You know, there's always these. Well, there's always these camera tricks. You know, it's like right. right. Ben is made to look like he's talking to Mark, who's really at two thousand miles away. Doing right. Mm -hmm. No, we were all there for the entire time. Actually. This show was done through immersion. We actually were all there in the Hudson Valley together at the same time, uh, because quite frankly, this topic required, you know, a hands-on approach. We needed oh, sure. to be And, you know, cause one of my problems, I don't know if, 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 if you guys have worked with me or heard of me before, you know mm -hmm. that I'm extremely, extremely, um, well, prejudiced toward getting data. I want data. I don't want hearsay. Hearsay is good, but then show me the data. Right. But, you know, you know, so, you know, Ben has his strengths. I have mine. Melissa had hers, you know. Yeah. And so together we kind of made one whole really good team, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, and I would sit in the back like this while Ben is looking and taking notes about something and talking <laughs> to people. And I'm looking at her, responding to Ben and reading what she's saying and seeing if I can, if I find that, you know, believable. And then looking at Ben, seeing what, imagining what he's thinking, you know. So we were all there at every site. You know, there's only one time where we actually separated, where Melissa went one way and Ben and I went another. And Ben and I did an investigation in the evening at one place uh, with a with our uh, infrared drone, and uh, it turned out that um, that's the only time that we we're really separated from each other because she had to go do an interview with yeah. someone doing uh, hypnotic regression. Mm. Um, and so. Uh, so we're all it was boots in the ground because the, the Hudson Valley people, you know, they've been plagued by this for over 100 years, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, frankly, um, to just play, pay lip service would have been insulting to me as an investigator and I wouldn't have done it. This was a total immersion. We were there with the people in their homes and we were you know, sharing their pain. Okay, seeing what they went through, hearing their mm -hmm. stories, watching them become emotional and trying not to do so ourselves. Yeah, uh, because it was tough. You know, I, I equate, um, you know, the, the folks who I think that that have the exposure to the Hudson Valley um, uh, ongoings, uh, probably, you know, their exposure is limited to maybe, you know, the Unsolved Mysteries episode that talked about it back in the 90s. Um, and I equate that to people who have seen the Mothman Prophecies movie um, having just that very 
glimpse of what actually happened in Point Pleasant, you know, that, that Keel's book really talks about. And so, um, you know, I, I'm really interested in, to see how big of a breadth of uh, topic that you all get into uh, with the show. Yeah, we, we actually we actually chose to go down the path of trying to use some science to try and decipher what was going on. Um, there's there's stuff we we actually leased from companies, equipment we leased, which we never even got into the show. You know, things like a special CCD camera that was looking beyond the visible spectrum when we were walking in this house in in the you know the eastern side of the Hudson Valley in Torrington, Connecticut here, and uh, and this camera was meant to actually show things that weren't in the visible spectrum now i'm an astronomer i mean i i knew i was going to be an astronomer since age nine so i know about cameras and how they work right. frequencies and wavelengths etc 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 um so i'm kind of a natural for the ufo topic you know if you can find an mm-hmm. astronomer who believes in it right right exactly right now it's me and avi Loeb. <laughs> you know oh, Avi, yeah you know, we've done some shows together but but, you know, honestly, um, I think that uh, when you look at what the people in Hudson Valley are going through, uh, this this goes beyond your level of experience. This goes beyond anything that you may personally have experienced. I've experienced uh, what I think is an implant being you know slammed into my sinus by something. Mm-hmm. I experienced missing time in yeah. the eastern Hudson Valley, a whole day missing. And I just remember the beginning and the end. Wow. That's right. You're a native from there. That's right. Well, I, I mean, I'm that... in Western Connecticut. You know, I, yeah, I'm in Field County, Connecticut, and so, yeah, and so I'm, I'm, Eastern Hudson Valley encompasses mm-hmm. this part of Connecticut too because the the sightings don't stop at the border. Yeah, you know, they don't know any borders. <laughs> right, <laughs> they just cross. They're flying over. <laughs> so but, you know, there's a lot of really interesting things that have happened, and, and and you know, talk about the Hudson Valley. I got involved in that like in the '80s when. First of all, I joined MUFON in 1971. Wow. Yeah, I was 11. <laughs> yeah, and I uh, I knew that there was something else out there, and I had to pursue it, and that's why I decided to become an astronomer at age nine prior to even joining MUFON. And uh, I followed through on that. I went to school, got my degree in astronomy, and I pursued it because I felt that, that I had to study what was out there because I felt that what was out there might have made it here. Yeah. Okay. Whether it was panspermia, life from elsewhere, or whether it was uh, you know, people who you know here from other worlds, beings here from other worlds, um, they certainly would not look like us, you know. Yeah. But they're here, and what we hear described by the people in the Hudson Valley are are creatures that are the classic grays, and and, and surprisingly, some other um, some other types of, of creatures as well. And you watch the watch the show, you'll see. And um, but. Honestly, what I found uh, most intriguing was the fact that we had a town hall meeting in, at the town green, basically, after a big gazebo. It was a very, very large area. And we had a bunch of the townspeople there. And they were all there because they wanted to hear what we wanted to do for the town of Pine Bush, New York. Okay? Yeah, I was going to bring Bush. up Pine Bush. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so I've been there many times, actually, even before this, um, we did the show there. And um, this town being an epicenter, a lot of people came to this town hall. It was held at night. And because of COVID, we were outside. Okay. It was November. It was cold. So you'd figure, well, you know, only a few people are going to show up, maybe three or four. No. Hmm. 
we had way more than that okay we had a lot of people there and they literally filled up this gazebo we were in and um we were listening to their stories one by one they would tell things that they experienced and this person over here would look at that person over there telling the story these are all townspeople they all know each other and look at them like this that happened to you (laughs) what am i getting at they're all very tight-lipped about it they don't want to talk about it yeah this is psychologically damaging stuff they've stored inside for decades in some cases so well yeah i was just gonna say and, and a lot of that is societal inflicted right so it's because we've placed such a taboo on it that people don't feel comfortable talking openly about it that's that's right and and you know just like airline pilots who you know you want to report a ufo no negative no no you know that kind of thing well nowadays they can and it's taken a little bit more seriously why because the military is taking it seriously now yep. right yeah right they have been for a long time you know i uh, i do a lot of work for the military i have my own visual effects company but i'm a model making company as well and i actually um create stuff for the underwater industry the submarine industry and as a result of doing some work i was asked if i wanted to go on a ride and a sub okay that's what we'll call it okay. so yes. and <laughs> it was the best one i had getting seasick okay oh. yeah um but while i was trying to overcome seasickness and this relates to everything um i was sitting down near the, in the sonar shack the little area off the main control room and just trying to zone out when all of a sudden the sonar guy yells con sonar con sonar fast mover fast mover and i'm like what the heck seasickness was gone i'm about to die that's a torpedo mm-hmm. yeah. i thought it was a torpedo we're in the middle of the atlantic yeah okay and and so uh the executive officer just saunters around calmly i'm thinking to myself how could you be so calm it's just so <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> well anyway he said what do you got and the kid's facing away from me so i can't hear what he's saying directly but the the XO executive officer is facing me who's sitting in the chair next to the kid and i hear what he's saying and he the XO asked for the bearing and the range on the thing and the kid said whatever he said and then he said well how fast was that moving and the kid figures out the speed and he was incredulous. So he actually enunciated it quite loudly and I heard it very clearly. He held his hands out and he said, several hundred knots, sir. Underwater object moving yeah. knots. And he didn't know what to do. He just held his hands there like frozen. <laughs> and the XO said, okay, log it and dog it. And the kid said, sir, yes, sir. And turned around and went back to work. I'm like, no, no, I got yeah. I walked you know that executive officer because I'm a big <laughs> shot, you see. I was invited on that boat. I'm a big shot, right? <laughs> yeah, you was coming. I walk over to the executive officer and I say, oh, XO, um, I'm familiar with these fast movers. Is there anything I can help you with, sir? And he goes, D'Antonio, right? I go, yes, sir. He says, you're having a good trip so far. Yes, sir, I am. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> and that was yep. the end of that. So I was like, okay, yep. I'll just go back to my little seat. So you know what that really reminds me of is the opening scene of the film The Abyss. Uh, where they're on the sub, they get the fast mover right. I mean, it's it's a it's a very much the same type of situation, and and that one was clocked at you know in the movie you know clocked at doing a hundred knots, and so you know something that we have often talked about on our show with other guests and just ourselves is our movies about the topic, um, perhaps an introduction for mass society for the fact that these things are out there oh i thought so you know and then we're gonna we're gonna gradually throw it out there in the public eye as a movie 
so well, that when or it show. happens, I mean, look at yeah, Star Trek or, Next Generation. They had tablets, <laughs> you know, on that yeah. show. And now we yeah. have tablets and phones. Right. Actually, before we had tablets, though, I got to tell you, remember the show, the movie Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey? Mm-hmm. Well, Pierre yep. Delay also had a tablet. Oh yeah. Okay, and guess who invented that tablet? Douglas Trumbull. Douglas Trumbull is the Academy Award-winning visual effects guy who mm-hmm. is actually a good friend. I work with him. We do a lot of stuff together. We just did a movie on Nikola Tesla. So anyway, mm-hmm. the, but the point is, okay, movies will often preview things to come because, see, we can't think of anything that's patently impossible. I'm convinced of that. The human brain cannot think of anything patently impossible, okay, in terms of technology and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that when they, somebody imagineers some new technology – it will become a reality. Like, you know, this, right? Right. Smog. Beam me up. Right. right. Well, if Kirk had this, he'd throw away that old piece of junk that he uses as a communicator. It's like, this has got everything on it. Yeah. You know? So, right. You, point, right? It, it, just, it just goes beyond sometimes science fiction. And, you know, so that's, you know, being aware of that is very important. And um, we try to leverage some of this technology, actually, when we're, when we're doing this, this movie because for uh, Hudson Valley because we felt that, you know, there's a lot of shows out there. All they do is interview people and they get the ooh-ah. It's the, yeah. it's the these jump scare type show or the, oh, what was that? And then they go to commercial. Okay. Well, that's not this, you know, this, this show is not that. This is, this is a movie that keeps you in your seat because it's all interesting. And I, and I, I say a documentary, not a movie. Um, so I, I found, you know, that it was actually a lot, easier to watch than I thought it might be because I have to look at me on this yeah. I really hate doing that you know well that's easier because it had a valid point to it which I really enjoyed well and I noticed that um, in watching the UFO witness show um, you know that's something that Ben did all throughout the different episodes of that show was try to take more of a of investigative approach right to do some do some tests you know have a theory do a test determine if the theory has holds water right so that's yeah. right and, and ben and i actually i ben and i talked on the phone yesterday actually we, we we talk a lot and um we were brainstorming about techniques to do this even better you know and he, he asked me about you know technology that we could use for certain aspects of investigation and i said yeah i think that we can come up with it it doesn't you know it's not necessarily have been invented yet okay yeah. so we'll invent it Right. Or, or, you know, or maybe there's a, maybe there's a test or a technique that exists for something else yeah. that maybe has a cross application. And, Absolutely. you know, one of the things that I've been toying around with and, and we've been talking about, I went out to Google Earth and downloaded an overlay for all the ley lines. Okay. And then I went out and downloaded all the new fork data for the last 50 years and loaded that into Google Earth and then loaded all the Bigfoot uh, Class A sightings in there to try to see if there's any, you know, correspondence. And what I found was really interesting that um, the, uh, in looking at a lot of the new fork data, it seems to happen close to, or even intersecting with ley lines. So now I'm thinking, you know, is there an opportunity here to go to where an intersect point happens for a lot of ley lines and perform some experience to see if I can prove out that theory that basically ley lines are some sort of like super highway for these craft or things to about, you know, kind of glide upon. So believe it or not, we talked about that on the show, not, not on the show that didn't get in, but Ben and I mentioned that uh, several times. Uh, and we thought, you know, can we actually find out where the ley lines are relative to where we are? 
and see if there's a correlation with mm -hmm. all these investigations in the Hudson mm -hmm. Valley. Uh, that took us down a path of geology and magnetic field studies. Yep. Yeah. Even gravimetric studies, looking at the local gravitational field, that's something that we didn't fully uh, flesh out while we were working on it. But the magnetic field stuff, um, you know, I mean, there's some, <laughs> these phones have some beautiful apps on them yep. uh, for actually checking that, um, like the magnetic field locally. Uh, and uh, we use these actually just to, to give us a, a rough idea of what we're looking at for like say magnetic field changes. Um, so when we're looking for the magnetic field correlations, well then, you know, it, it was just rough, but it helped us figure out if it was less or more, basically it greater yeah. than less than not precise down to two decimal places, you know, yeah. like that. Right. And then it's that, that, you know, the ley lines, uh, do they extend outside of Earth? You know, are they uh, all along the universe and extending out of the, the uh, solar system and, and things like that? And I always think of the way, Josh, how you describe it. Sometimes it reminds me of whatever the train at Disney World is called, um, but it kind of reminds me of that. You know what I mean? It's like it's got a ride upon these. Um, and is that how things are able to go? You know, uh, they talked about I just watched that. TMZ doc you were telling me about the UAP one about the UAP report and they, you know, they one of the big things they talk about is we see these things break the sound barrier yet there's no sonic boom how is that happening and you know it's like is that it do we know can we know technology you know they're like we can't say oh it can't do that because it doesn't fit us he said is it's like handing a cell phone to a caveman and expecting the caveman to go oh neat a cell phone no he's gonna say oh neat shiny rock yeah. <laughs> and i laughed because i thought that's that's exactly yeah exactly it yeah <laughs> i you know i know that and, and that's kind of interesting um and then, of course, then he uses it to, like, smash someone on the head. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> sure. It's the monolith. I mean, it's this whole thing. I, yeah. <laughs> and your phone has a broken screen. What do you do? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, you well, know, I, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, getting back to, you know, what you were saying, Mark, around um, if we tie this all back together a little bit and say that if we're shown things in movies like tablets and phones and like that, because the human brain isn't able to pre you know pre-think about these things and so by being shown it as a movie prop we can then go off and invent it as a thing then uh you know perhaps these craft are showing themselves to us so that we can go off and figure out how they work and, ev and evolve ourselves to the next level of humanity i have a point to that too actually it's a very good observation uh it's one that, that I, I actually talk about when i do lectures um it goes like this when you look at the technology uh, that we've seen underwater, for instance, uh, several hundred knot objects moving underwater, okay? Um, objects that come and go in the skies over Pine Bush in Hudson Valley. They're there, they're here, then they're there instantly. They vanish and they reappear elsewhere. Right. All of those things that happen um, are all related to the technology that they're using, right? Well, my experience was decades ago on a US sub. Okay. And now, a couple years ago, the Navy got patents on hypersonic technology. That is, yeah. things that move faster than the speed of sound above in the air. Makes sense. But underwater as well. Yeah, one of the things that we've been that we've been really talking about is, is, is or around those patents is are those patents a way of uh, disinformation? To, to decredit the things that exist by saying, oh, well, the Navy has a patent for it, so it must be the Navy. 
Yeah, I, I know for a fact that it, it's not though, because um, you know after that sub trip, uh, literally nine years later, I had to do a job for the Joint Chiefs. Okay, and I actually did this project and I drove it down to Washington. Uh, I usually get there in six hours, you know, from Connecticut here. And uh, I dropped it off and I talked to one of the chiefs and I actually said, I had the nerve or the, you know, the holies, <laughs> okay, to say to him, um, what can you tell me about the fast mover project? Because on the sub, they called it a fast mover. Yeah. And the XO knew exactly what it was. And when he told the kid to log it and dog it, he was saying, hide it and bury it. You yeah. Know, log it and then bury it. And so I just wanted to find out. I figured I just asked the question innocently. Now he could have said, "Never heard of that. What's that? Yeah. What's a fast movie? You mean a plane? Right. Uh, you know, he didn't play that game. Okay, it worked with him. He knew me, and so he actually gave me an answer that didn't give me any information more than I could have found probably elsewhere through talking to regular people. And that was, he said, "I'm sorry, Mark. I can't talk about that program." Yeah. You know what that did to me? Maybe I'll almost have an accident right there. Yes. Okay. Who's <laughs> was admitting what I had suspected for the previous several yeah. years? Yeah. Uh, uh, something about uh, uh, pooping bricks comes to mind, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a fast-moving object as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the but that's true, you know, and so um, and and taking this back to Hudson Valley, you know, you you look at this and. and all the the sum of all your experiences you know i think i had an implant that disappeared after the hospital took it out okay i had missing time in the hudson valley locate area okay for a full day no explanation you know i'm very sensitive to that i had this weird experience on the submarine i had these things that move very fast that, that no one knows what they are but they know they're there and they just track them and just say enough of it that we don't right. know how to and then we get to the hudson valley and we have all these people that have had all these experiences and these people who don't know what to do with them. And in some cases, it, it really seriously injures their lives, you know, hurts mm -hmm. yeah. their way of living. Um, and others, it makes them recluses. And we had one person who didn't want to talk to us. And we literally had to be coax this person to talk to us um, because uh, this person didn't want to. Because it really, really, really yeah. bothered, you know, bothered him. So um, knowing that the other people in that town meeting were talking to each other and seeing that all this same group had experiences that no one had ever known of each other was the first revelation. The yeah. second revelation was that we were there to try and figure out what your experience was, what your experience was, what happened to you, what happened there. Tell me about this. Tell me about that. And then we visited all their different uh, places and went through it. You know, you know, so, I, one of the things that I really like about, um, you know, it sounds like this show as well as others that have recently come out in the last, let's say, six months is it really, I think, the underlying uh, story that can be told about all these documentaries and episodes in, in series is that um, it, this is a pretty common thing that is happening around the globe and, yeah. and people should not be ashamed or afraid to be able to share uh, their experiences. And, no, I'm not saying that everybody should just go out there and tell everybody in the world, you know, if you don't feel comfortable doing it, don't do it. But, but bottom line is, you know, you don't have to be ashamed or afraid. And that's, that's the reason why we really started doing this show is to really share our own experiences 
and let our listeners know that it's okay. You're not alone mm-hmm. in what you're going through. And um, the only way you're going to really effectively work through what you're going through is to have that kind of uh, common bond with others that are also experiencing it. And that's, that's very true. And um, I, I will say this and to, you know, working on this show is actually something that is quite enlightening for me, uh, cathartic in some ways, because I am uh, very much uh, also dealing with things that I don't know how to explain. Mm-hmm. And I'm an astronomer for crying out loud. This stuff doesn't happen to me. Right. And what's happening? Yeah. Why? You know, this doesn't happen to me until it does. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a, I've got a similar, you know, I'm looking here at your telescope in the background. I've got a, I've got a similar, I've got uh, two different types of telescopes. One looks kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big astronomer as well. And I've always loved uh, looking at the stars mm-hmm. um, going out. I mean, I, I try to pass that, pass that along to my kids. And but one of the things, so uh, about a year ago, Stephanie and I were out in our backyard. Uh, my backyard, it's it's a really uh, dark area considering how close to the city we are. Um, and we were just having a campfire and just looking at looking at the stars and you know talking and stuff. And and uh, we see this object moving across the sky, and um, it 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 flashes at us. It almost looks like a lighthouse moving across the sky, like it kind of wrote almost like it's rotating around. It gets brighter. And then it goes dim, and then it rolls space back around and gets brighter. It goes down, but it's it's like you know twenty five degrees off the horizon. Uh, feels like maybe only about five thousand to seven thousand feet up in the air. Can't explain it. So we watch it, we track it, um, staying in there. Stefan happens to look over his shoulder, and directly behind us is this light that is a quarter of the brightness of the moon mm-hmm. that we see wings around. Yeah, just like we see it there, we and we watch it for maybe half a second. And then all of a sudden it shoots straight up in the sky and disappears. Oh. And having those two experiences, I have no idea how to explain it. And it has become such a passion for me to try to figure out more and more and more to try to help me process through what those things were that we saw. Now, you know, the arrogance of science, if it was talking, would say, oh, well, that was just a tumbling satellite. And that was just landing lights of a plane. They tilted them up. Okay. And then be done with that. But they don't take into account is that you know what landing lights on a plane look like and yeah. you could probably figure out what a tumbling satellite looks like because they do that kind of brightening thing mm-hmm. and stuff but right you know so uh, they don't account for your your bank of knowledge you already have oh you know? yeah we and, check and, every app to see what flights are in the area i mean we are so hardcore about <laughs> that stuff man i'm doing a talk for ufo congress on that very thing i'm going to be talking about the apps that people can use to try and you know cut through the the garbage and just pull out the good golden nuggets you know yeah uh yep. radio 24 is a good one yep we use and that that watch is a good one you know um tesla meter is a good one and there's a lot of different you know apps that i'm going to mention um and you know um we you know that telescope is actually for our eastern remote telescope that that was in the observatory and um i'm refurbishing it getting it ready to put in our new building because these are remote. We run them remotely, so mm-hmm. no one has to go in there anymore. I can't stand twenty degree weather. Okay, <laughs> that's why I moved to Phoenix. <laughs> that's, I have one out west of Phoenix in the desert, on a friend's land, and we just opened it up. It's Sky Tour Livestream, and it's uh, that's awesome. It's made some absolutely stunning, breathtaking, makes you cry photos. Oh, right. I have no, seen I more things in the sky since I moved here in October than I yeah. have in my entire lifetime. Uh, I I took I took. <laughs> 
a 25 second photos of a nebula out there it looks like a large observatory took the photo for one thing but second to that in just a half hour's time um i had a friend with me watching remotely because we, we we connect through skype and we all watch through mm-hmm. uh, my app and we we go out there with the observatory software i got we just watch the screen we see what it sees yeah um we had 25 satellites come through in a half hour very obviously going in many different directions uh so there's a lot more to see out there i can tell you and i also have an all sky cam and we've caught some really interesting things out there i wanted to take i actually brought the all sky cam with me to hudson valley because i wanted to use it out there but we didn't have an opportunity because many of the places we went were trees there were trees everywhere and we couldn't set up the all sky cam um, but i really wanted to do that and, and have that used for that purpose too because it's really beneficial. I actually caught what I think is a, a really interesting unidentified object out in the uh, Arizona desert. Um, I saw a KC-135 tanker go over, and you could tell by the way the lights look and this time exposure as it goes over. And then later on, I saw this little curve in the sky of light, this curve, a little tiny curve, way up in the sky, a, a circular pattern of light that was like yeah. a, a, something moving in a circle, a very, very tight circle tighter than a, a fighter jet could even make mm. what was that so i still don't know i and i and the frame before it shows it partially made and the frame after it shows it finished so i know it wasn't an artifact mm. anyway so see that's the kind of thing so that's that's yeah. you, our instruments right uh, as an astronomer josh you know you uh, we use our instruments to try and gather mm-hmm. data because data is king yeah, yeah. data is king and the folks in in, in hudson valley they you know, we had a lot of discussion. We had a lot of talking with them. Um, and then we tried to acquire data and we actually did get some data. Uh, you'll see in the show, we were in a house that uh, they said there was some kind of being in the house. Um, you'd call it a haunted house if you're into the paranormal. Uh, that's, you know, what Ben yep. said used to be paranormal. Now he's more a UFO researcher. Sounds <laughs> like us kind of. Yeah. Too. <laughs> fair, fair, okay. And, um, but in that house, uh, again, Mr. Skeptical, I, I, you know, I require data as Carl Sagan, my favorite astronomer said, you know, extraordinary claims require extraordinary proof. (laughs) Right. Right, They do. So that's what I, I, I strive to do as well. So I'm sitting there being skeptical about this being in the house. And all of a sudden I notice I can't move. I'm standing in this living room. and I can't move. My feet are frozen to the floor and I'm laughing. What the heck is this? A super clue, you know, and then I realized, no, it's something's crazy. And, and this tingling started in my feet and started traveling up my legs. And it felt like someone going like this up my legs. Okay. And it got all the way up to my chest. And now I'm starting to panic a little bit. Yeah. And then it gets to my head and I'm feeling a in my head. And I'm going, am I being electrocuted? Is this like, is there electricity? Yeah. There? And the homeowner says, no, there's nothing there. There's a rug. And I'm like in, in thinking what's happening here. And I couldn't figure out what it was. You know, and I, as I was, as this was happening, I was reminded of the Star Trek episode where the Vulcan ship was killed by the big amoeba creature because they couldn't figure out what was killing them, right? Logically, you know, and I couldn't logically figure out what was doing this to me, and I still don't know. I still don't really know. Um, but in the show, it's there. You can watch it when you see this oh, scene. Oh yeah, it. uh, it's really quite. Um, it was troubling for me because I didn't know what it was. You know, because yeah, I mean, we what happened to me. We've we've talked before about um, that idea that most hauntings or things like that 
may not be spirits, but indeed some sort of ET or UT um, camouflaging itself or, or yeah. you know, maybe yeah, it's interdimensional I, or something. So, yeah, I, I had a theory about that because um, I was working on a visual effects prop for a movie Doug and I were doing. And um, I saw this semi-transparent thing walk into my shop and lay down on my floor. And I'm like, what the heck is that? You know, I'm like doing this, my eyes, it's still yeah. there. You know, it kind of looked like a Pekingese dog, kind of like a little yap yap dog, because the way it was sort of had a little stride to it. But it was like right. water without the shine. I couldn't really see what it was. Mm. It was more of a shadowy thing. And I went over and I stepped on it because I wanted to see what the heck is that. It's like in 3D, and I stepped on it, and it yanked my leg out from under me as it ran out. It ran out knowing I stepped on it and took my leg, and my leg went up to the ceiling. Okay, and my arm, I fell down and hit my shoulder on my workbench. Mm. I had to go to the emergency room for that. And my other leg came flying up too. It was like, it was snapped right off from under me and it, it took my breath away, you know? And um, so some people would say that was an encounter with a ghost. I said, no, maybe that was actually rudimentary communication with a parallel universe bleed through. Yeah. And I yep. determined it's a parallel universe intersection, you know, that we're seeing here, a PUI, parallel universe intersect. I don't know, but see, all that was in my head when we were doing this stuff in, in, in Hudson Valley, because we were looking for these kinds of things and we were in that house. We also were looking for that very, very thing to see if what was happening. We had some electronics that we distributed around the house to try and detect an incursion into our 3D space. Okay. The special camera that we used uh, that, uh, was there that uh, didn't provide the proper results. I, I tried to tell them it needs to be nitrogen cooled. It's a nitrogen, liquid nitrogen cooled camera. Uh, but they ran without the liquid nitrogen because they people at the company said we could do it without it. Well, no, we can't. And and so we weren't getting the full breadth of the spectral response, mm -hmm. basically. We couldn't see everything the camera could see, basically. So um, with a super cool chip, we would have. Uh, so we ended up um, not being able to use that data because it didn't give us enough. But the other instruments were recording some really strange things. Mm. And uh, there were some very tense moments uh, there for a while. And the people that live in the house, to them, it happens all the time. This is very, this is, we live in this house and it's just a normal place for us I, I've lived in a haunted joint I get yeah. it <laughs> you know one of the things that uh, uh, we were talking about with uh, Kathleen a few weeks ago is um, you know th there's always a lot of talk around the electromagnetism that's put off by craft when they come into an area that's right um, right they have they like this field to generate around them people report be getting sick or nauseous or or maybe getting like pink eye a couple of days later or something like that because of whatever was going on with that craft. And so one of the things that I've been thinking about is, is when they are exuding this electromagnetic field, is that acting as some like a, like a zipper, if you will, that's opening, uh, you know, dimensional space or dimensional rifts, if you will, that are allowing our space and their space or other space to interact with each other. Um, you know, and if there is a lot of sightings or things happening around UFO craft in the Hudson Valley, that could help explain how some of these other things are kind of bleeding through. Uh, that's a that's as good a possibility as any. And again, for me to just say that's like a nonsense thing would be arrogance of science, and I'm not that. Uh, I'm open-minded about things, and I think that that deserves and merits some type of investigation. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have the equipment to test that particular idea at the time yeah but um we did talk about portals as 
yeah. opening and closing via some method. And we tried to think about magnetic, uh, using some kind of magnetic resonance to try and uh, get a portal to open. And um, we had one, we actually attempted to open a portal. And when I say portal, I mean, that definition is really, really crazy. People can you know, have many different ideas as to what a portal is. I just imagine it as a tear between our dimensions and some others. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as whether they can actually exist, I consulted another astrophysicist, for instance, and and she said that, well, depending on your definition, they certainly can. And this is how they're developed. And it's nothing that, it's not the kind of explanation you can give to someone who, you know, uh, works every day for a living and doesn't have, uh, you know, and it, it, it advanced degree or whatever right because you know that's not the language they can understand you have to give it to them in their language right mm-hmm. so um you know that's that's where i come in i, I try to make things uh, understandable because i think science is for everyone and so people should be able to hear what a portal is for instance in a way that has been explained to me in, in an advanced way but then i should be able to explain it in a way that everyone can understand because it's actually very important if you get that base understanding then we can take it to the next level because i think right. everybody can understand the whole depth of, of what these things are um i just think it takes it's going to take time you know yep. yeah and yeah. i i think like you know you think about these entities and you, you, yeah. know, you go back and it's like I think Keel talked about this too, but it's like, are these entities the ghost sightings of the past hundred years uh, or before that, the fairy sightings before that angels and demons before that gods or Weishu guy and, and Wendigo and things like that. Because, you know, we talk about Pine Bush and this area having over a hundred years of history. Well, how much more? I mean, I looked at a map today and was like shocked to see how close like Sleepy Hollow and Terrytown and things like that. You know, one of the spookiest areas of New England is right in that valley area. And so it's like, makes you wonder how many of these old ghost stories and stuff that cropped up in this area were part of what they're seeing now or over the last hundred years of being documented yeah you know i i i think that the the folks in hudson valley uh now and then you know past and present uh really reproduced what they saw reproduced things in art in culture uh in writings in books you know and so they basically uh, said many things that, that were maybe possibly some embellishments of what they said in some cases, but in other cases were very accurate uh, renderings of what they saw. And these things were, were you know, everything from entities to ships to uh, just lights in the sky doing strange things. And I can tell you that these people, uh, most of them have seen it all. And we were there to try and help them figure this out, you know, because that was the, the problem. Uh, was was trying to figure out now once we heard all the stories we had to regroup together and figure out how we were going to scientifically go through the process to try and solve his case her case his Mm -hmm. case her case and try and go through that and um i i'll tell you that these some of these were unanswered okay sure um of course uh and uh we do have a lot of questions still and hudson valley is big yeah case huge I mean, yeah, I honestly, saw, I saw a statistic. Sorry, Josh, but I wrapped that up. Is I saw a statistic that was talking about Pine Bush and the Hudson Valley area has on average one UFO sighting every day on the low end. 
that they're seeing to this day still. So yes, talk about too much data sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and and going to what Josh was talking about before, you know, um, you know, are the ley lines connecting structures? Uh, you know, do they have anything to do with this? Do the ley lines have anything to do with local magnetic field lines and how they're oriented as well? Um, those are all studies that have not been done. Okay, we would have to literally fly over Hudson Valley with a magnetometer on a plane and do a, a magnetic field study of the entire, right. an independent study, you know, current, present day. Yep. Because magnetic fields can change a little bit over time. And you have to do the, the, the study. And based on many things from geologic strata down below to different types of building construction, they can change what the magnetic field looks like very locally. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would be interested to see, I mean, up in New Hampshire, we have America Stonehenge, okay? And uh, I've been there and uh, part of a documentary up there. And America Stonehenge is a phenomenal place with a lot of sighting stones and a lot of layouts, and a lot of really different um, um, structures that point to different uh, qualities of the seasons, for instance. Mm -hmm. And um, they said they thought it was a, a camp for doing or, or, a, or a location for doing sacrifices. And I thought, well, I think it's a seasonal hunting camp. Okay, that was very, you know, yeah. because of the way the stones are laid out, they know to leave this particular hunting camp when uh, Venus aligns with that sighting stone and this particular, you know, this particular uh, sighting stone, you know, kind of a thing at a certain time of day, you know, so who knows, you know, right. but, but all those things can be related to each other. And it's, it's the bigger picture that I think we're missing. I think we're missing the bigger picture about yeah. really going on out there. You know, we can talk about individual cases, but why the individual cases at all? You know, what's happening there? What makes it different? You know, like you said, okay, Stefan said it, you know, an average of one sighting a day. Well, that's true, you know? And so, you know, like I said before, you know, 99.9% .9 of the sightings can be explained as the ordinary captured in an extraordinary manner. But that 0.1% is still a lot if you have a volume of them. Mm -hmm. Right, and, and those well, are just know, the ones reported. <laughs> yeah, who you know, and they don't report. Well, yeah. I mean, we, we something we talk about quite a bit is uh, how much all this other stuff is related. You know, do you look at just UFO sightings, or do you look at well, there was a UFO sighting, and then the same day or the next day there were somebody reported a poltergeist, and then the next day after that or the day before somebody reported a Sasquatch. You know, so, you know, do all these th kind of things start to run together as, you know, maybe related somehow? Yeah, and that's the other thing, too, is, um, you know, as soon as you start saying things like uh, uh, ghost sightings might actually be uh, parallel universe intersections, then you get people saying, well, no, I think ghosts are real. I, I, I saw my grandmother. I guarantee right. it was my grandmother. OK, I don't necessarily disbelieve that, actually. Mm hmm. But I also think that certain phenomena will manifest in similar ways. Yeah. Also, yeah, or, also or if it is intelligent and using the mind and things yeah. like that, why couldn't it take a picture out of your mind to alleviate some of your fear, right? By showing you something familiar. Right. Something you know before it eats right. your brain. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, I'll also say that, you know, we don't we we have a, a for whatever reason a want to put everything into a nice little container. Yeah. Um, but everything may not fit into one nice little container. It may spread the gambit across things that we can't even fathom right now in our in our 
current way of thinking as to what things could be so i agree i think that's very that's very true and and i think that you know unfortunately as we uh, mature technologically then we'll for instance be able to bring better tools to the pine bush area in hudson valley to get some real answers you know um i mean i can't tell you how much money and energy i spent putting in this arizona observatory right and we can do some pretty wild and crazy things out there now and the same type of effort applied to the hudson valley might actually produce uh a lot more results that might be more useful right i want to do i want to have some skywatch systems set up out there yeah ben and i talked about it setting up skywatch systems to just watch the sky i brought mine but we couldn't find a convenient place that would be safe for the whole time we wanted to do it okay the whole the, the month we were filming there we actually would have needed to leave this camera out in the elements which is fine it's waterproof with a laptop that would have been you know sealed up in a case next to it uh and not have anything happen to it yeah that's the the last part right is the kicker right so So we'd have to have security and that means paid security just sitting there watching a box all day long and so the idea is that we're going to have to try and do this from a different perspective you know and um in other words meaning uh seeing if we can find a way to maybe give the residents something they can put on their yeah. own so yeah. they can watch for them and That's be great there's idea, yeah. aerial security yeah because yeah, so, you you ask that you have to ask the question is 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 why the Hudson Valley why particularly Pine Bush like what is making right. that such a hot spot like we know places like Sedona as well as Somerset Kentucky have two of the largest quartz crystal areas and they are definitely dominated by UFO sightings and the like and things like that right so I can find justification for Sedona and Somerset but what about the Hudson Valley what is it that is is drawing that there I mean I I consulted geologic maps to try and see if I could find anything that might uh, cause some type of a magnetic hot spot or magnetic low spot Uh, and it's actually just shales and so forth that aren't necessarily very ferrous, you know, you know, magnetic. Well, so, but you know, go ahead. No, I was going to say basically that. So uh, geologically, just giving it a, a, a rough look in the time we had, I couldn't see any anything that made it seem like it was going to be any like the geology was going to stand out at all. But that, I, that could be wrong. It could be that we need yeah. to have some other experts come in. You know, and, and I'll, I'll just point out that it is a part of the Appalachian Mountains, which That's what I was about to ask is, has, is how deep is it in mountains? Right. right. So, I mean, it, it is a part of that string, you know, the, the, the oldest, the oldest mountain string of, of the uh, of the world. And it goes all the way over into England and the UK and all the way over in there. And, you know, it used to be all connected when it was PNG and everything. So, I mean, who knows what is really buried along the lines of the Appalachian Mountains that could because all along Appalachian Mountains, there is. Uh, uh, if you want to call it a hot spot or a hotbed of activity, so yeah. right maybe are these the underground bases for them, right? <laughs> and maybe the mountains are there because they tunneled under them and maybe maybe lifted up the ground, right? <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. bold, bold, bold people. <laughs> but the truth is, is that it's it's interesting if you compare the Rocky Mountains. There's not as much activity as there is Appalachian. You hear so many stories in the Appalachian areas of of, of things flying into the sides of mountains or, or, or things like that and disappearing. Yeah, um, you know, are there these openings, right? 
So, in real estate, there's a rumor that they saw helicopters flying into uh, large yeah. mountain openings. You know. I, oh yeah, don't get us into deep underground military bases. We'll talk your ear off. <laughs> it has to be dumb. <laughs> yep. yep, you gotta love the dooms. <laughs> we could talk about that all day. You know long. what? We actually, speaking of underground stuff, we actually did investigate um, some uplifted mound areas too, uh, which we thought were interesting. Um, and uh, they're just, there was just so little time to put it all in just two hours. Yeah. Oh, I bet. I bet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'd like to see, you know, the editor's cut. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, we were already like, can we just get three seasons instead like let's yeah. do i will i'm so yeah. in like because hudson valley stuff you know we talked about that it's like when i was a kid at one of my first ufo sightings was very similar to the ones they saw in 82 to 85 and i can remember watching i, I re-watched the uh unsolved mysteries today and i was like oh my god i remember watching this and i remember this being the moment where i was like that's what i saw like being a kid being like telling my dad that's what i saw that's what i saw the way it hung there which is why i never bought the hoax of the airplanes because airplanes don't hang in the sky and just sit there um and hover no <laughs> and they're not the size of a city or a football field so. that's right and uh, i actually have uh the original photo that uh was taken by uh a pilot of that 1980s uh quote-unquote boomerang that was seen uh, mm-hmm. in, in the Hudson Valley. And um, that photo, I circulated it to magazines widely, and I actually see it, it gets reprinted on the web all the time. Um, but it was given to me, uh, the, the, the pilot gave it to a state trooper, the state trooper gave it to me. And I had it in a book, closed in a book for years. Wow. I didn't know what to do with it. Right. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was a photograph now on film. That's how old this was, right, back then. So that formed the basis of the basically the second introduction to Hudson Valley the first was the missing time okay in western Mm -hmm. Connecticut that I had Uh, and the second was this event I mean can you imagine driving down the highway and seeing like 200 cars pulled over oh yeah I can't imagine people out of their cars looking up what's that yeah no this pilot uh, called me um uh, it might have been I know a bunch of the state troopers so it might have been that maybe the state trooper told him about me but I was a MUFON investigator back then not the chief photo video analyst and so they called me and said can I talk to you about a sighting I had yes um, I'm a pilot uh, and uh, he went on to tell me all the details and said my wife woke the kids up and took them outside and said you have to look at this because you'll never see anything like this again mm-hmm. and it was that you know this is a pilot's wife now who's used to hearing the stories from the pilot about the weird things that he sees flying around the country, right? Yeah. That was in the eighties. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that was the Hudson Valley thing that got me interested in Hudson Valley. That's where I started to poke around, you see, and started to realize, wow, there's so much here. I don't know where to start. Oh yeah. You know? And I know that I won't know when to stop. 
I think you guys are aware that I don't know when to stop. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I, I don't know when to stop. Friends that I have that are pilots. I mean, they have all well, got stories that have been never reported. My brother um, was in the Civil Air Patrol for years and years and years. Okay. Um, and his one of his uh, main uh, supervisor, I don't know what they call him there, but the supervisor or whatever was actually the astronaut Ken Johnston that has all those moon photos and all that stuff, um, which is how we got connected to him. But, yeah, my, my brother Dustin tells me all because it was at uh, – uh, in Albuquerque there, the Air Force Base there is where they were out of. And he said so many of those pilots would sit down and talk to them and tell them these stories of things that they saw while they were out because, you know, they they want it, they take them to camp and they'll show up and do things for them and stuff like that. But they would tell some of these crazy stories. My brother, man, he's got a book of stories from other people of pilots that have seen stuff. And, and you know, the military pilots have always stayed quiet because they've had to. Uh, everything was always under some classification. Yeah. Um, but um, they've been given the green light to talk about it now. Um, most of the Nimitz guys I know and call friends, and these are guys that, in some cases, their lives have been seriously affected to negative uh, about having to hold this in for all these years. Oh, yeah. And now being able to talk about it, it's like it's a release. Oh, I can finally talk about it. You know what I, I mean? Bet. Yeah, yeah. And some of those guys had, you know, take that stuff to their grave. That's right. That's <laughs> and right. it sucks. I, I didn't can't imagine. I didn't talk about the unknown submerged object I saw or, or witnessed to until after the Russians came out and started talking about it. Yeah. And, and, I started, get a- and then I started to say, yeah, well, our, our guys have seen that too. Oh, how do you know? How do you, how do you know that? <clears throat> and little by little, I tell them a little bit more, uh, never violating anything that I wasn't supposed to. Right. And it was interesting that um, our Navy, for instance, knows they're there but can't do anything about it and they're in the air and we know they're there and really can't do anything about it well you know and, and i want to be you know um uh, something we've talked about in the past the you know the the, the task force that was recently stood up the uap task force mm-hmm. it's very interesting that it was aligned to the navy uh <coughs> and not to the air force or the newly uh then created uh space force so you know i i agree with that that's really cool. So um, I, I want to be respectful of everybody's time, and I, I think we've been going for a little bit. Um, so I want to give you an opportunity, uh, Mark, to just, you know, uh, plug a little bit of, you know, where, where can they find information about the show? Um, where can, you know, uh, when does it come out? Where, where can they have any information and where can they watch it? Sure. The show is going to appear on August 15th. And it drops onto Discovery Plus, so it'll be available to watch at any time. But it's uh, it's gonna be available. It's like it's like going to Netflix, you know. Yeah. Discovery Plus and watch it there, um, and it'll show up on your on your feed when you go into Discovery Plus as a new show available probably, uh, same way that, that other services do that. Yep. Um, and it's a two hour uh, documentary that's, um, uh, in my view, and not again. <laughs> I would be happy to say if I thought it was crap, I would let you know it. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Wouldn't want to work on another one if it was like that. I really wouldn't. But this one was actually very well done. Um, you know, I was waiting for the moments when they would have caught me going like this, you know, or yeah, funny with my face. <laughs> um, but, you know, to their credit, they, they edited it very well. Mm. Um, and <clears throat> we got as many answers as we could in two hours. I yeah. I'm excited, man. Like, yeah, like I said, I, we're we're already Discovery Plus junkies and fans of you and Ben's and everyone's, and we are just very very excited about this. I know our listeners are excited about this. And, I hope so. Uh, I hope so. Yeah. You know, one more thing I didn't mention, by the way, guys. Yeah. Okay. 
we also started looking into genetics and seeing whether there was genetic links mm. between the people that had experiences. So you'll see that in the show too. I need, I need, I'm, I'm already past two hours, Mark. So I'm like, I want, I already want more of these. I'm going to need 15 follow-ups because uh, now knowing yeah. we were talking to you, I've kind of dug myself deep into holes with Hudson Valley stuff. So I'm like, I know two hours ain't going to answer all my questions. So. It's not, it's not, you know, and you're going to say, but what about this? What about that? It's mm-hmm. like, I don't think we didn't see it. Don't think we didn't hear it, yeah. but we didn't talk about it. You know, so much couldn't make it into the final cut, but it was all talked about and we're all going to, we've actually, Ben and I have been planning on uh, additional investigative uh, forays out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's how much those folks trust us. They actually said to us privately, anytime you two, you guys, you know, actually us three, you know, Melissa, Ben and I, anytime you guys all want to come back here to do this, you let me know you're free to come back. Mm. We'll talk to you anytime you yeah, like. You probably even heard use guys and you were in. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, thank you so much. Uh, so much. Uh, anytime, man, you got anything you want to talk about, please. We would yeah. love to. Stefan and Josh, uh, thank you, man. I really on and it. just talk because I've enjoyed every second of this. I could have yeah. talked to you for hours. I will say, by the way, uh, Josh, <laughs> off to your Bigfoot type thing. Uh, I've offered the use of my infrared drone to the Bigfoot guys. And they, you know, for years they've never wanted to take me up on it. I don't know why. Really? I mean, isn't huh. that the kind of thing you'd like look for? I mean, that's yeah. exact. We were literally just talking yeah. about that. I've got yesterday. a Psyonix Pro, and I want to go out and look for Bigfoot stuff <laughs> with a Psyonix. We just so. said we wanted to go out to the woods and use it to look for things. Yeah. So. Yeah, I have a Psyonix as well. I mean, I love those cameras, and uh, Ben turned me on to that camera. Actually, yeah. uh, it's better than the uh, the Phosphor camera, you know. And I can tell you this, um, you know. Uh, nothing beats the FLIR infrared from the air. Mm. Nothing. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Yes. I asked my son to try and get lost in the woods, and I was going to find him. And there was a lake nearby here. I asked him to go get lost in the woods. And uh, he couldn't get lost. <laughs> I knew exactly where he was. That's and fantastic. Really, really wonderful. Man. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, you think Bigfoot, Bigfoot's going to hide? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, if, really. If that exists we should be able to find it with uh, with rigorous application of technology. Oh yep. yeah, I'm like, let's get up to Oregon and Washington and let's go, cause. We only shoot with cameras. Yep. That's yep. the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, guys, I had a great time. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're, I already excited. I ain't even watched it yet, so. <laughs> the 15th uh, on Discovery Plus, you guys should have a good time. Uh, and now you got my information, so you can throw slings and, and arrows at me if I didn't cover something that you want me to cover or whatever. You oh, know? don't you worry, sir. Uh, <laughs> like they'll have to watch behind me. <laughs> exactly. I may be big, but I'm stealthy. <laughs> but thank you, right. Mark, so much. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Wow. Uh, even getting a chance to kind of go over that and listen to it again, I'm still just fascinated. Um, my God, the uh, the guests, Josh, that we have had on the I show know. the last year have just blown my mind constantly. And yeah. Mark, you are no exception. You know, it's you know, we talked about it a little bit with uh, the folks from um, uh, Wild and Wind Weird West Virginia. It's, it's, it's almost just odd how uh the guests that we have on or the topics that we cover how they you know kind of uh fit within where we are in our journey right and mm-hmm. so 
Mark Mark added a lot of additional content tonight to 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 help us go and explore and look into it for our own personal journey. And I and I hope that that's true for for you all the listeners too, because um, you know I highly encourage you to to go out and, and not only watch the documentary but do your own invest you know do your own digging for the mm-hmm. truth so to speak because. You know, to, to think about um, the Hudson Valley issue as just being the one event that happened in the early 80s uh, is a far cry from what it actually is. Oh, I know. Hearing that there's a hundred years at there, one of the docs I was watching, I think Vice from Vice talking about the Hudson Valley, there was a woman and I didn't write it down because I didn't know I was going to talk about her, um, but she's written a number of books just on the sightings like she has the from this video alone i saw three books of filled with sightings in pine bush and the hudson valley <laughs> like over the past hundred years it's insane what a crazy place it's just i'm i we gotta go i want to i mean we have so many places we gotta go but i want to go there too man yeah i mean we um, you know the first places we got to go is the things that terry gave us because those are like oh yeah for sure. Uh, we also need to FOIA fast mover project or program. We need yeah. to get on that. Uh, or, God, uh, Mark, you gave us so much stuff. I've written down so many different things we need to look up. So, or at least the the Black Vault people can do it because they seem to have yeah the they touch. they have a better opportunity. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do want to move uh, on here um, to get to our encounter from the Fearscape this week. All right, Encounters from the Fearscape, Joshy Poo this week. Uh, I've got one here. It's a little bit longer, but it is a doozy. This one comes from a listener named Melissa from Pennsylvania. And, you know, that's kind of Appalachia uh, as well. So I thought that would be kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, So let's go ahead and check out Melissa's story. I had a UFO experience last night um, around 1230 to 1 o'clock in the morning. I was in my bedroom doing yoga watching Supernatural because I couldn't sleep due to my sciatic back nerve problems and I heard a low humming sound. Now it wasn't that loud, but apparently loud enough for me to hear. I didn't notice any other neighbors out and about when I looked out my window to see what the noise was. I wasn't sure what it was, though I did think perhaps the noise was someone's vehicle, but it didn't sound like a normal humming sound like that. When I looked out my window, I noticed that a light was sparkling and it was pretty high in the sky. So I thought it was a sparkling star or a planet. Then it started to move in a line. So my immediate thought was, it's an airplane, it's a satellite, or maybe it's a helicopter or something like that. Then it very quickly moved backwards and then side to side. That's what really made me kind of push myself to think it was a helicopter. But the next thing really made me think that maybe it was not something that has a normal explanation because the sparkle from it had more lights from it appear all of a sudden. It started to move in a circular spinning movement. The lights, I noticed it had a bell shape from the way the lights were placed and this whole thing was moving. It was dark. I couldn't see any shape, but the shape the lights made, I saw those. 
Soon as I tried to grab my phone, of course, it would not focus on the sky because I always had trouble with focusing my phone camera, even when I try to take a picture of the moon. Well, when I looked back up at the sky, the whatever it was had moved more in the sky downwards. And after that, it seemed to just vanish with the lights getting smaller and then less lights to one small sparkling light again and then boom, out of my view. When all the lights were spinning, I'd say it was the size of probably something bigger than a helicopter or small airplane to a smaller light. I wanted to go outside to get a better look, but I didn't want to wake up my family members or my animals. Uh, I've always thought that I'd never have a UFO experience while I was awake, but guess what I did? I wasn't going to come out with it, but I figure, hey, what the heck? Everybody thinks I'm a weirdo anyway, so I might as well add the weird weirdo stories uh, and freak stories that are told about me all the time. I'll just add to it. If I'm going to go big on this publicly, I'm going to go real big on it. So I'm sending it to the spooky crew. But nonetheless, I was a little freaked out the rest of the night. Or, or maybe too excited. I, I don't know. Fear is similar. I think they didn't want me to be able to take pictures of them if it was a UFO or a UAP. And at this point in my life, I don't care if anybody believes me or not. I know what I saw. And it was very different than anything that it could have been logically. And I'm too old to give a damn in the world of what others think about me from this. I was even going to tell my husband but I know he'd probably laugh it off or think I was half asleep or explain it away. Well, I guess he knows now, but I'll just be honest with you. I'm not sure I'll ever know what it is I saw. Well, thank you for sharing. That is, that is an amazing story. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, since we had Mark on and things like that, I wanted to share one of our uh, UAP encounters from the fearscape. We love these, uh, you know, I love our UAP sighting of the week. Uh, but getting to pull from just randos, but you know, yeah. knowing these come from folks that we love uh, and love our show, we are just so thankful. Um, so what an amazing story, though. I am not even gonna lie, I kept waiting for the uh abductee part to kick in, you yeah. know, when she went to bed, you know, or a, a night hag experience or something. <laughs> well, you know, and maybe, maybe not all of that happens, right? I mean, it's um you know everybody has a different experience and the people sure. who have those experiences you know probably have them for a specific reason so sure and it reminded me of my ufo sighting here in arizona the one that i reported to move on the one with the yeah. triangle that spun around and then became one light and then went away you know because like her yeah. talking about how the lights went to one light and then just slowly you know phased out and that's a lot yeah. similar similar i mean mine spun around and some other things but yeah it reminded me very much of that so, um, but Josh, I want to get out of here. Uh, I do want to uh, let you guys know, be on the lookout. Uh, next week's episode, uh, we are, uh, we're doing a cool, 
crossover episode with the folks at Wild and Weird West Virginia. You know Wayne Barnes, he's been on the show. Joe Perdue has been on the show. Ron Lanham is the only one that hasn't been on the show yet, but we're, you know that that's happening. But we're doing a two two episodes, one with them and them with us. Uh, so we'll be sharing when their episode uh, where they interviewed us and we have a cool discussion comes out. And then of course we'll have our episode with them on where we're going to be talking about some really really cool stuff. So yep. you know always look for that. Um, we've got some amazing things coming up over the next few weeks, few months, all, all, all sorts of stuff. I, I want to get your guys' head in the game now because we're getting closer. But if you're in the uh, area within a few hours drive, at least of Louisville, Kentucky, uh, the weekend of October, the first weekend in October, Josh and I are going to be at Paracon uh in louisville there uh we're gonna have our table set up and, and the like so if you guys want to talk to us and meet us get some free stickers and some things like that uh we're gonna be there at louisville's uh paracon uh it is also a part of the uh fright, fright fest fright, yeah, fright fest excuse yeah. me the the fright fest it's fright fest slash paracon so the whole like most of the cast from monster squad is going to be there i mean it's like it's just a mashup of cool horror and paranormal stuff. Lance is going to be there from Mysteries of the Dark with me as well. Uh, so there's going to be some really cool stuff. Uh, so make sure to look up some information on Paracon in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. We're going to be there. Uh, as always, again, Patreon. Boom. We love you guys. Yeah. Uh, Fearscape podcast at gmail.com. You can send your encounters uh, uh, in the Fearscape to us. For that, uh, always you can shoot us ideas for topics or folks to try to interview or things like that. We are always open to taking a listen uh, yep. and the like. Uh, Josh, you got anything else for our wonderful blanket huggers out there before we rock and roll? No, nope. you know, other than the the day that we're recording this is my birthday, and I did not um, I did not ask on social media this this time around, but I'm going to ask folks now for my birthday as a belated birthday gift. If you all would just rate. Uh, review and uh, share the podcast that would be greatly appreciated yep and of course as usual if you guys give us a good rating and a good review we are all about hooking you guys up with some free swag stickers so just, just let us know we'll hook you guys up but uh, happy birthday Josh uh, looking you. good for 21 years old um, yep. appreciate it Gotta, yep, it's my uh, uh, what's the what's the running gag? It's my 12th anniversary of turning yeah, or 21. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, uh, we'll go ahead and get out of here. Uh, again, fearscapepodcast.com, fearscapemedia.com to check out all the other uh, podcasts there. Uh, we are going to get out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast here on the Fearscape Media Network. This has been Stefan, and remember, keep your eyes on the skies. And this has been Josh, and the truth, if ever, is now. August 15th, Discovery Plus. Be there or be square. And also remember, hold those blankets extra tight, because things tend to get spooky when you're listening to Fearscape. Good night, everybody. Good night. We hope you have enjoyed this guidepost on the road of high strangeness with us. And we thank you, as always, for listening and joining our caravan to the weird and unknown. Please consider supporting us as we continue our journey to find the answers we all seek. Fearscapepodcast.com forward slash support. <laughs>